0: Hey there, this is another episode of Dating Sex Relationships. Before we get into the episode, if you haven't already checked it out, take a look at our Implant program. This is a program designed to instigate behavior change in you. It's great to have all the awesome information from all our awesome guests, but if you don't put that into action, if you don't put it into practical action, you won't start getting the results. We designed a program to help push you through this process in the quickest manner possible. We call it simply implant because it's about implanting behaviors into you instead of asking you to learn things and then change your behavior and so on. So it's quite a different approach to this whole thing. We think it works really well. We've been testing it out for a while now. If you'd like to get in there and test it yourself, see if it can jumpstart your life in dating, sex, and relationships and make it better, go to datingskillsreview.com forward slash implant, I-M-P-L-A-N-T, implant. Thank you so much for the iTunes reviews you've been sending the past month. There's quite a few that have come up. I'm going to read one of them out here because he makes some great points about the value you can take away from these episodes. It's from Bayunga. One of these crazy iTunes uh, reviews names. Always kind of strange. He says, it's good and it keeps improving. I've listened for a few years now. Thanks, man. That's, That's cool. I'm glad to hear you've been listening for a while. I'm not a fan of the extra long canned intro. Okay, sorry about that. Feedback taken. But once I get to the actual interview, I almost always get something insightful out of it. There are exceptions where the guest is primarily talking up their system and trying to keep anything helpful behind a paywall, but for the most part guests are candid and confident that they have plenty more to share beyond the interview. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, the best interviews are always like these guests who are really candid. We got a very candid guest today. He also says, what's really changed over time is a variety of guests, whereas Angel Donovan used to only interview self-branded PUAs, pick-up artists, he's now sampling a variety of thinkers in conventional relationships, swinging polygamy and social sciences as well. My big criticism of the pickup community is that it was too focused on the early stages on how to manipulate and manage emotions to get some initial dating success. But Angel's been helping to address this by mixing in interviews about what to do after you get the girl or girls and asking the question, now what? What you really want out of a relationship is as important a thing to ask as how to get one in the first place. And this podcast is now asking those questions one speaker at a time. Okay. So thanks very much for that. I you know, wanted to bring that up because a lot of guys are very obsessed with what do I first say to a girl? What do I say to get her attracted to me? What do I, what do I have to do to, to become attractive to women in general? As soon as you start getting success, which for many people, once they start applying this kind of stuff for their lives, it happens very quickly within a few months. You start getting some success for women and the whole challenge then becomes How do you get satisfaction? How do you make this a great part of your life? And how do you integrate it into your life so you have a great lifestyle that works for you personally? And I have to say that when I first got into this uh, back in 2001, within a couple of months, I was seeing a bunch of girls I thought were cool, were quality. And I immediately started focusing on the bigger picture. Relationships. maybe not having relationships with drama in them, all sorts of challenges towards my own satisfaction in this area of my life that came up along the road and it took many years to kind of discover those challenges and so on. And hopefully we're fast tracking your process for this by tackling them on the show. And you're listening to these people who have tips on sex, on on relationships, on social dynamics, on lifestyle and so on so that you get the heads up about that stuff and you think about it earlier and you kind of blaze through that you shortcut through it instead of taking years like many of us did to just kind of figure out that, ah, these are things we have to think about in order to get satisfaction with our lives. Anyway, thanks. Thanks very much for the comment, Bayanga, and great to hear you've been listening so long. And those negative points taken also. For other guys, if you want to give me any negative or positive feedback, just hit me up at angel at datingskillsreview.com or preferably, if you really could, write an iTunes review. It helps us to get ranked better and therefore helps this to get out to more people in the world and makes me happy because of that. So today's show is about the mental game of sex. We often talk about psychology when it comes to sex. We talk about the mental side being important. We've had many various speakers and experts on that. This today is going to go a bit deeper. We're going to go into the communication because when you understand that a lot of sex is mental, you'd start to then question, okay, but How do I create this mental aspect of it? How do I improve this mental aspect of sex? Because it seems super intangible and it's hard to understand, right? It's very abstract, that idea. So a lot of it comes down to how you are communicating about sex and how you are communicating on a more sexual level. So this is what we're gonna dive into today and get to some practical details about. And it's gonna include things like how to talk dirty with women in bed and how to be comfortable with sexual type language. Today's guest is Lawrence Lanoff. He's got like such a broad CV, uh, where to start. He's been a Playboy photographer and a film director. So he spent a lot of time with Playboy models over the years. He's a PhD in cognitive studies as well. He studied Tantra since the age of 12, which is absolutely incredible. He had a very cool mom. And he is also the author of a recent course called Language of Lust, which you may have seen my review about. And I just thought it was great. It's not often I find a new course or one of our editors find a new course which jumps up in the rankings and gets into the top 10 or replaces an editor's choice. But this is definitely that course. And because it's we've been looking for something that approached the whole mental game of sex for a long time. So it's a good quality program. I'd also met Lawrence in person in LA just recently, like uh, last year. So I knew he was a real deal. Lawrence leads the lifestyle and he has a ton of real life experience in this area. So this is a great in-depth interview with lots of practical tips. To get the show notes and the details of this interview in an easy done-for-you format, go to datingskillsreview.com forward slash podcast and pick out this episode. It's episode 98 from the list there. You can also get it in your email inbox by going to datingskillsreview.com forward slash newsletter. Now let's meet Mr. Lawrence Lanoff. I'm Angel Donovan. And this is the Dating Skills Podcast. This is a 14-year ongoing mission to discover the truth about what works in dating, sex, and relationships. To become a better man. Join me as I leave no stone unturned. Chase down every expert, role model, and mentor with insights to get us to that goal as fast as possible. This show is about bringing you the best of that information, so that you can take it in change your life for the better, step-by-step, episode-by-episode.
1: Lawrence, welcome to the show. Thank you. Really great to be here. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm very
0: excited about talking to you because I checked out one of your products and it was great. That was the full depth intro to your material. Thank you. And I was really impressed. And I know that went quite well on its release as well. So uh, congratulations on that. To kick off, I would like to first... Go over your background because you have a pretty unusual background. Um, I, know, I know a little bit of I probably don't know most of the details, but it's really a kind of an eclectic mix of different things which led you to where you are today. Yeah, that's true. How would you describe it? What's made
1: Lawrence Lanoff? <laughs> it's a really interesting question because outside of the scope of what we're going to be talking about today, I really have solved a massive human problem. And It's the problem of meaning that people have that sort of that spiritual quest that again is out is kind of outside of our scope. But, uh, but uh, the reason I mentioned that is because I was trying to figure out why me, like, why is it that I'm looking at the world this way? And why so far am I the only person who seems to have solved what's going on here? That at least that I'm aware of, right? I mean, there could be somebody out there, but it, but it just seems like there are so many layers of these things, some of which we're going to talk about today especially around sexuality. But one of the things is that I grew up on the streets of New York and New York is a very real gritty city. And I moved here. I think, I think we were here in the city, like by the time I was about four and a half. So I am through and through a New Yorker and those formative years of my life being exposed to people, ideas, religions, the new age movement, vegetarianism, every freaking cult you can possibly imagine. Nearly getting kidnapped on two different occasions that I'm aware of. Almost getting killed by a crackhead, just as an example. And plus, dealing with with a fair amount of um, both physical abuse, some sexual abuse, and then furthermore some um, like bullying and like like crazy stuff right that that was really extreme at a time before there were safety nets I had to find my way kind of parent myself and and in some ways probably the biggest struggle I have at you know at this moment in my life is that there are still these things basic things that I just because I didn't have role models for I just never learned so it's kind of like you get raised by wolves and there's some things you don't know about so um, I think part of what made, what makes me me is that I have just had a huge heaping tablespoon of reality. And I think so somehow when other people are getting cluttered with smoke and mirrors and fairy dust, that's not been me. Like I've always seen beneath the surface and beneath the paint. And I think that that's, I mean, that's a kind of a, maybe a slightly poetic explanation of why I'm me. I've always been a seeker. My life question has been why. And I have always been everything that I've thought has been met and tempered with reality. Because if the city is anything, it is reality.
0: Right. It pushes it in your face. Yeah. It sounds like you've lived these experiences which have have forced you to look at reality rather than avoid it. Like Many of us can avoid a lot of reality in our lives because we're not forced to by the situations to you really deal with them.
1: That's exactly right. Because you're not forced to, you can live in sort of a theoretical bubble. And so I've spent some time in Sedona, Arizona. And Sedona is a classic case of people, for example, walking around the streets of Sedona. I like to go hiking and stuff. But, you know, strangers will, you'll pass a stranger in Sedona. And people are like nervous and scared and on guard. And in some cases, they drive around with guns. And I'm like, it's Sedona it's Sedona. There's nothing happening. And it really shows me just how much our mental state and our belief systems affect everything, especially sex. So that's one of the reasons why I came to teach about sex. Um, well, there was something that you mentioned, which was, you mentioned my background in, in Playboy and as a, as a director, I directed a, for like 12 years for Playboy. One of the things that I noticed is that people had this super strong reaction. Like a lot of guys were would would high five me and uh-huh. would be like, "Goal touchdown!" You know, and <laughs> and a lot of women would. That's a
0: long. I mean, twelve years is a long time. It's over a decade. That's that's a career.
1: Yeah, it was a career. I had a career there. I developed knowledge there that uh, I still use to this day in terms of. I mean, well, one thing for sure is just understanding the psychology of women. Who a how how beauty affects things. B, how the fantasy has nothing to do with the reality, right? So there again is, I had a job that forced me to deal with reality. And reality is so starkly different from all these kind of, I call them leprechaun unicorns, which are the the, sort of the the relationship goblins that guys and girls have in their head about what they're looking for. And uh, it's nothing real right? They like look at this, maybe a Playmate spread or, you know, see a video that I shot and and they're like, oh, that's amazing. But I know that there was three hours of hair and makeup and two days of wardrobe fittings and who knows whatever else that goes into a shot. And sometimes because that shot is only a a hundredth or a thousandth of a second, but we look at it as if it was an entire life or an entire reality, that that again, is where we're living in this kind of weird bubble. And that really messes people up a lot, especially guys.
0: Absolutely. And it's kind of funny, because you, you yourself, you've been through situations which exposed you to a lot of real life, hard reality. And then you went on to create, <laughs> create dreams. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Certainly for men. And I must have been a lot of fun. Also, what other things do you take away from that time of your life? Did you have any other realizations or any great experiences and and things like that over the time
1: as far as great experiences go let me tell you the time i rolled into hedonism with 12 basically playmate girls in tow to take over uh the hedonism resort in jamaica for i think we were there three weeks uh you can do the math on that i mean you know there were some sublime experiences it just is there was um Tremendous. I mean, the the opportunity to step deeply into the psyche of people's vulnerability. Because when you're naked in front of a camera, regardless of your feeling, in order to do that, you have to you have to face certain demons and certain fears. You just have to. That's just if you grow up in our culture and you're going to get naked. Not so much now, but certainly when I was doing it right like, like now, the millennials, they don't really seem, it seems like a, a lot less concern about this stuff because basically everybody's naked at this point on their phones and stuff. But that like public nudity thing is really intense. And so there was a, a great deal of intimacy and, and vulnerability and sharing and, and honesty that had to develop, uh, certainly between me as a director and whoever I was shooting. So there was some really, really, really powerful moments, you know?
0: Yeah, I guess guys will think about the hedonist uh, you know, experience you were just describing. That would be the highlight. But I'm sure like just being around that environment for 12 years and like you said, like seeing the girls when they arrive and they're tired in the mornings because they haven't slept properly and stuff and then comparing it to how they look in three hours time. That kind of must have sh- given you a real grip on reality that a lot of us haven't had that ability to get that. Even myself, you know, I can't say that I've seen as much as as that as you you just like really seen it for 12 years all the time right so that really sets your reality quite quite strongly
1: yeah i'm not gonna lie though i did have a, a problem switching to civilian for a while like from director in which case you know every door is open people are oh you're directing okay and you just get to see things that other people just won't maybe ever see
0: we also hear a lot in los angeles about how directors due to their status and that gives them a lot of power when it comes to women is that something that you saw as well
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, I've always been, you know, for whatever reason, I don't have a good reason. But I just I just really value the level playing field. Really, for me, that's super important, because I don't want to be in role of teacher or whatever. So leveraging power for sex. I mean, there is a triangle in Hollywood. And the, the, the triangle is basically power, sex, and money. There are people who are powerful that don't have cash and aren't getting laid. There are People who the only thing they have is they've got sex, they've got their sexuality, whatever they have there. And they're trying to either get power, i.e., fame, or cash. And so there's this like pick any two or sometimes pick any one, but very seldom do, do people get all three simultaneously. It's such a delicate balance that I've known. And in fact, I mean, I have stories that one of my girlfriends who was a playmate. She uh, went to a job and like a directing job with like a real A-list director at the time. And oh my God, the casting interview was just, it was unbelievable. It was horrifying. You know, now nobody knows these stories. Of course, I knew them because she, she had total space to come and tell me the truth about stuff that happened. And yeah, it was pretty horrifying. And, and that was one of 100,000 stories in, in Hollywood. There is this thing of like, Hey I've got this job I've got this thing I've got this car i've got I've got stuff or power that I try to leverage to to sex and of course uh what ends up happening with that is i watch I also watch a lot of guys just crash and burn their lives because they would get caught up in that. I want the hotter girl, the next girl I want more I want you know not one playmate I want three i want and I would watch these guys go and just strive and throw me in cash and stuff around and then literally crash and burn dude it was horrifying so the only way you could I could work at playboy for so long was to just basically stay free of all of that because if you get caught up in it and I would watch directors come in and do a show or two and then just get destroyed right because maybe they would be like oh you know these are playmates and I'm the director and I've got some power here and I'm going to try to fuck them and then boom they're gone
0: Right, they blow up their career or they just get too distracted, not focused on the ball. and That happens a lot for yourself and other people you've seen that didn't get succumbed to that. What, what do you think were the qualities? I mean, we're talking about a high quality problem here, like a quality problem that most guys love to have. But I do think you have to keep this long term mindset to these things and, and a balance. And most guys who have been successful, me included, I went through that dark spot where that success in this area of my life was sabotaging the rest of my life. It took me a couple of years to figure it out and get out of there. And I was really unhappy. So what have you seen in terms of qualities of people that have enabled them to survive that and get past it and make things work for them?
1: Well, I can only speak for myself because honestly, I have not watched. I don't think I've seen one other. Uh, yeah. Okay. Maybe one other guy survived it. So I can only speak for myself. And for me, the the big key was you just have to have something that's more important than putting point A inside of slot B. For better or worse, I always had kind of a a quote unquote spiritual path. And I put that in air quotes, you can't see that, but I'm putting it in air quotes, because I think that served me at the time to be looking for something more, even though I think I think I was just so had it so incorrectly. I mean, I know I had it incorrectly, but as a general idea or mythology, having something that's just having a bigger idea that you're striving towards other than point A inside of slot B, which is appropriate for what we're talking about, because that's really one of the concepts that I just think is hugely important. It's like um, getting back to the to the movie thing. Yes, I would go direct movies, but I would also go and do meditation retreats. And I, would, I did my yoga and I I did things that I needed to do. Like for me, a a good way to recover is to just go drive into the desert and be around nobody. Just go camping in the desert and I have an off-road vehicle and I'll go do that. So I think there are things which we have to always figure out what do you need to reset your central nervous system. Because it's very easy to get caught in dopamine addiction where you're just going from one, oh, I had this experience and now I need a bigger experience and a bigger experience. But I've also always kind of been a scientist and been interested in these things. So you can start to recognize, you recognize the dopamine addiction. You can see it if you ever go to Las Vegas and you watch people at the gambling tables or you watch them in front of the slot machines. That's dopamine, right? Where it's like, oh, what's gonna happen? What next? Or if you've ever been to Mardi Gras or some huge thing like that, where you're just like, what's the next high? What's the next high? And that's not sustainable over time. And I think that was the big insight that I had is just, It's not sustainable. And so that always kept me kind of like humble. Plus, I had seen enough death and destruction um, growing up in the city, you know, and had friends who died and OD'd and all that stuff. It was not just a conceptual thing for me or like a presidential campaign, don't do drugs. You know, like I saw the effects of these things. They weren't just like concepts. I had emotional reference points for people who had gone too far and died as a result or who were completely dysfunctional. So, so I think that comes back to this circles back around our whole story about reality. Reality has always been the thing that's kept me personally in check. And I don't know many people that are willing to deal with reality. It's like, we all want these fairy tales and games, but honestly, my life is, is so much more at peace and easeful by living in reality.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I get where you're coming from. And I think one of the harder things is the first part is the hardest, right?
1: Because when
0: you first start looking at reality, you've probably got some stuff you need to clear up because you've been avoiding it for a while. And so it's probably that thing. And, and if you leave it too long, it gets bigger. And so so you want to avoid it more. So I guess that's so you're, you're kind of lucky that early on in life, you had to go through things and you had to face things early on. And I guess I gave you that access to this. I think something that helped me like similar was seeing other people crash and burn around me in pretty extreme ways. And that kind of woke me up a little bit as well. And it gave me insights into why I was not satisfied. I wasn't happy. And I was like, I should be happy. I'm not happy. I seem to be getting unhappier. I also, I've always felt life was really short. I don't know if you
1: had. Me too, man. Oh, absolutely. I had friends who, who were dead at 13. It was not like a concept like life is short. I was like, fuck, it is short. And I live that like that today. I don't think I'm going to live forever. And honestly, I think that's the only thing that's tempered me in my life. Because if I get too dopamine crackhead about something, I kind of catch it. You just go like, wow, dude, you're... We're wired that way. Of course we are. The only thing that can help us out of that is some kind of self-awareness. You have to develop some sort of... I mean, this is a catchphrase that's going around. So I use it again in air quotes, but you have to use a a certain amount of mindfulness or awareness, but you have to be able to look and say, wow, I've been cracked out for three days. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah,
0: And it is sometimes like that. And uh, I don't know about you, but when I wake up, say I drop my meditation technique, which really, that really helps to keep me grounded. I I personally feel just looking at reality in the longer term. Like sometimes, even if I go past like a couple of days now, uh, it used to be longer, but a couple of days, I'll realize I've been running around like a with no head, basically, like a headless chicken. And I'd be like, damn! I wasted two days. That's why, like, I brought up the, you know, life is short because I am really concerned that I'd like want to make the most out of life. And when that happens, I'm like, damn, it's kind of a bit of a waste of time. There, I had a bit of fun, but I've done that all before. It gets old.
1: Well, right, and that again, that leads us back to our topic because sex and dopamine basically they go hand in hand. And newness, right? Our desire for newness and difference and uh, excitement and all of that stuff. So when it comes to sex and sexuality, there are sort of these two channels and one is the dopamine channel. And that's just higher, bigger, better. And the weird thing about these two channels, which is why you have to actively create balance, is that if you're actively in a, in a dopamine, the dopamine itself suppresses the other channel. So if you're in this like excitatory phase, it's suppressing your ability to regulate. And that's just how the central nervous system works. So that's why when you get into a meditative state, like everything gets more chill and calm because that's suppressing the dopamine activated state. And so this is the balance. This is where this weird balance where, you know, we got to have newness and fun and excitement, but you also want to temper that or at least activate your parasympathetic nervous system and your ability to relax. And of course, when it comes to sex and connecting and meeting and women in general, if your parasympathetic is activated, if you can be in your relaxation response, things are going to go exponentially better, right? Just in general.
0: Yeah. Let's take a step back here because I think guys can already feel that you approach this subject quite differently to other people. So how would you say you approach the whole sexuality, sex topic, having great sex. How do you approach this differently to other people, the typical authors with the the bestsellers and stuff and other courses that you've seen? How would you say you're a bit different in your approach to this?
1: Again, tempered with reality, I think the big mistake that I see, and having been around a lot of guys in this, like I have a lot of friends in the industry of teaching and coaching and all that stuff. And they all seem to suffer from a similar problem. And a lot of the guys in, who are being trained in that also suffer from that, which is this kind of, to use the phraseology of, quote-unquote, the game, the game, like if you play the game the way it's taught, it can only lead you in a certain and specific direction. So if you think about what the game is, what, let's just take the point of the book or any of this stuff, it's typically when I ask a guy, I'm like, well, tell me about what your current situation is. What's your current sex life like? What do you, well, tell me what goes on. And they're like, okay, well, you know, I met this girl, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's the, it's the old, I met somebody, I did the dance that I do, the lines that I do, the performance that I do, the thing that I do. I got point A inside of, slot B, and I won the game. That really is the big problem. So what that does, of course, is if you have to trick somebody or coerce them or do some stuff so that they ultimately kind of are relaxing to this, let's say, made-up character, and then they open, and then you have terrible sex with them or even mediocre sex or even okay sex or even just whatever, but there's no substance behind that I don't, it's not going to take a woman that long to realize like, oh, you don't have anything else going on in your life. I don't know what this is, but I don't like it, right? So because because the point of the game is I put these cells inside of those cells, so I won. So a lot of times when I start this process with, with my own private coaching students, and I've had some who've been in this field for a long time and studied with these gurus and that thing and that, and we'll do a little bit of work together and they'll be like, holy crap, like nobody's ever, I had no idea. And what they have no idea is, is that if you're playing the game, put this thing inside of that, you have to abide by the rules of that game. And the rules of that game typically lead people in the direction that is actually not the thing that they want. If that makes sense. People want to be playing, let's say, Twister, but the game they're playing is Monopoly and they have to abide by the rules of Monopoly. That's kind of the big thing that I see. It's like we're focusing on this arbitrary goal as if you attain a number and suddenly gold coins are going to fall down on your head or something. And that's just not reality.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I guess what happened when the game came out was uh, that guys started to accept that they have to do things differently, right? And they were given this new model. Right. Right. But then, then, then comes the question, was that the, was that the right direction? Yeah, for sure something wasn't working before. My spiel is always like we have to look at reality for what it is, right? And I think it comes back to what we were talking about earlier about avoiding things. Yes. What we see in our coaching is a lot of guys don't want to accept reality. They get frustrated with the way things work. And the game gave them this out. Obviously, it's been huge and popular. Uh, there's this different way to do it. But a lot of guys have got very unsatisfied with that. Regardless if they had success in that model, as you say.
1: Exactly. I mean, that, there's nothing wrong with the model. It's just, it's a model. It's incomplete. It's perfect if you want X number of hookups, you refine that and you refine the look and you do the thing. But if you want anything more than that, and that's kind of what you were asking, I just play almost like in an entirely different universe. And it's not like, I, oh, hey, here's this technique. Though there are techniques you can do but it it has a lot more to do with just this kind of openness and flow that turns out is actually super charismatic. And I think that's the thing. It's the way, here's the big difference. I'm just going to lay this. This is, this is the best way I can describe it. All programs that I have seen, most of the programs that I have seen, where they get it wrong is they build a model of techniques. And this is not just in meeting and attracting women or partners or whatever, but this is just pretty much in every area of human life. Somebody says, I have a model. And then we're true believers. It's really hard to think critically. So we just go like, oh, okay, well that's the model. And we hear success stories and we're like, oh okay, that's it. And then we go down that path. And so that model, it's an idea, but it's it's focused on a goal. So let's take it out of the context of meeting and attracting right now and let's put it in the context of spirituality for two seconds. And somebody says, okay, well, the goal of meditation is to quiet your mind. And so here are the steps that you do, and these will lead you to a quiet mind. But if you talk to any normal person, they'll tell you they can't meditate for the life of them, they have a really difficult time, blah, 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 right? It's because a quiet mind is an emergent quality a quiet mind is an emergent quality, not a goal. And the same is true when we're dealing in the realm of meeting, attracting sexuality, connection, uh, charisma, you can technique, but there has to be the magic sauce is when it becomes an emergent quality, not something where you did a series of steps, because then you're always bound by the the limitations of the steps right
0: so it sounds like you're a bit more um meat or like help the guys understand what emergent quality is it you're talking about the quality of the experience
1: or what would you call i mean i call it i have a bunch of different things but one thing is just sexual flow if you can be moving through life in the flow state whether that's regarding sex whether that's meeting and attracting whether that's anything if you can be moving in flow state Your results are going to be completely different because you're not limited by the map. You're not limited by the limitation of the technique. So, the emergent property is if I teach you, which is what I do with my coaching students, if I teach you how you're thinking about sex or how you're thinking about being a man or how you're thinking about women, is 100% and not in some bullshit, esoteric, the secret kind of way. I mean, literally how you are looking at the world, how you are thinking about women, sex, how you're thinking about your cock, how you're thinking about how you move through the world, how you feel about all those things are 100% affecting your experience and how other people interact with. And so if we start to get that organized and through experiences and you see immediately like i one of my exercises i do is i'll take guys out and i'll say okay here's thinking structure this is what you're currently doing let's just tweak this let's change that and i send them out into the same crowd and there are two entirely different reactions from the crowd and it's literally a 2 minute change and that's the part because it's it has to be ultimately it has to be something that if you can get it to come from deep inside of you, you're good, right? Because you're going to be good in all kinds of situations that are even unpredictable. Does that make sense?
0: It does make a lot of sense for guys to get like, what would be a little exercise you could put someone in to try and get them to access this state or it's something that you would typically give them?
1: Yeah. I mean, one thing is I would do a simple breathing technique. So for example... If you understand, you know, just talking, tying it into what we've been talking about, you have this dopamine sort of excitatory system, and then you have this relaxation response. Breathing is something that can take us into the relaxation response. So if I just right now, if your listeners, just for the fun of it, if if I say, okay, let's take a deep breath. So you just inhale. You hold the breath. Hold it. And then let it out your mouth just with a sound. uh, and we'll do that one more time, just for fun. Inhale. Hold the breath. And then exhale and give it a sound. <sighs> what do you notice? Right? Your body, for sure, is already feeling different. Something has shifted. Something has changed. Maybe you're feeling a little tingle, a little vibration, a little relaxation, uh, maybe you become aware, or more aware of sounds. And all we did is we took two breaths, right? So it's not like anything is complicated. It's there, but we just have never been trained in that. So if by taking two breaths, I'm more aware of my body, by definition, I am more tuned into my sexuality because sexuality happens in our bodies, right? So that's, the big thing is is to say, then we could take it a, a step further and say, okay, well, now you're feeling in your body, what do your genitals feel like? Do you feel stress there? Do you feel more expanding? Do you feel tingling? Do you feel nothing? Do you feel cut off? You know, and all of this has to do with our history and our belief systems. That's kind of the essence of a very simple technique. And I know for sure, if you took ni- two nice deep breaths like that, you're already more in touch with your body. That's going to diminish your fear. If you diminish your fear, you're going to have better results in anything you do.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm also thinking of broader implications, also having checked out your course. Obviously, I I know what comes next. But when we look at this in the sphere of sex, you know, the experience of sex when we're with a girl and we're actually having sex, um, it's extremely common today, of course, that guys are in their their heads. And I I, I think most guys would actually acknowledge that they've got some kind of performance focus or they've got used to porn. They might even be visualizing another girl, you know, let's just be completely honest here. That happens a lot. Oh, for sure. For sure. Um, For sure. So what would you say great sex is and how does it relate to what we were just talking about, about breathing, being back in our reality? What are the implications of not being in touch with ourselves when we're having sex?
1: Well, I mean, I think the number one implication is you never get that chance to connect with another person. And I think one of the things and and research shows this, I mean, one of the things that that makes life worthwhile is our ability to connect with other people. So guys that have been around the game for a long time, I mean, typically there comes a point where they're like, man, I've done this or that, but I just want to connect. Like, I want a girlfriend. I want to have an experience. I want to. There's a classic person, a teacher who will remain unnamed, who who, who saw me at an event and he was just like dude, please teach me, like teach me, what are you doing? Because he's like, I'm, I have to go out every night. I'm spending tons of money. I'm getting drunk. You know, I have to drink. I have to do this thing. I have this lifestyle. I've got it. and what is it getting me? Right. And I think that that's the bigger question is like, what do we want? So if I get in touch with my body, what I can start to have is connection. What I can start to have is real vulnerability, real connection, real ability to go deep with somebody. And if you've never had that experience, there may be some of your listeners going like, What what is this dude talking about? Yeah, yeah. I think some of them maybe. But I think the value of connecting in your body is that you can therefore connect with another person. It is impossible. I was just teaching this past weekend and um I was teaching in Boston and there's a lot of Boston's a very heady place. So there's a lot of guys who are just rattling around with stuff in their head, but they don't have relationships and they don't have intimacy and they don't have connections. And they're, so they came to my class to kind of figure some of this stuff out. And one of the first things I have people do is just breathe and feel. And then of course, I've got a whole bunch of different techniques, um, many of which are in the programs that I do because it's life changing, man. That's the thing that people don't know. Some guys may be sitting there going like, I don't know what you're talking about. And I get it. I understand. I totally understand. It's impossible to know what you don't know. So the first level of realization is, I am talking about a tangible thing. And just because we don't know it doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. This is what I call the fallacy of knowledge, where you think like, well, if I don't know about it, it must not exist. Because we think we know a lot And so typically what I'll do is I'll take somebody by the hand and I say, I know you've had sex with point A inside of slot B. I'm sure you think, like a lot of guys do, that they're amazing lovers. But I have had the benefit of the last 20 years of working with people. And I have spoken to the women of these quote-unquote amazing lovers. And typically that isn't what is happening, that people tolerate mediocre sex. But I want to upgrade the whole thing, man.
0: If you were to talk about the average population, the average experience of sex? I know this is kind of hypothetical and theoretical, but I just want to try and get the guys to see what's going on. Is the average really mediocre? So on a scale of one to 10, where is the average? Is it one or two? Or-
1: average is like a two. Yeah, average is like a two. I mean, first of all, just know this, the average American, I'll I'll speak for Americans, I don't know about the Brits, but I do know not that far off, but the average American from start to finish. So let's take our clothes off, let's get into bed, let's do whatever we do, which may be nothing of foreplay, let's have sex, let's finish sex, and let's clean up, get dressed, whatever, finish and put our clothes back on. That process for the average American is 10 minutes long.
0: And how does that compare to a
1: experience of a 10? That's the problem. I know this is really difficult to describe, but, you know,
0: I think we've got to take a shot at it.
1: Okay, so so a 10, it's not that difficult because here's why. A 10 means I will be aware of sex and sex energy from moment one. So from the second eye contact is made, my awareness is we have already started the sex act (laughs) Right. We've all like, not, I I don't know. I don't have a better word to describe that, but I'm just saying like, we've all like sex is already on the table from the first second. And if you understand that that is reality, that when you're meeting somebody, this is already in play, right? It's just, if we were living a hundred thousand years ago, it would be very obvious that it's in play, but we're all well-trained, fairly caged animals So we've learned to like wear our clothes and paint our nails and wear things and do things and act like we're beyond or we're not those kinds of animals that want to sniff each other's butts. But the reality is that's on the table. It is there. That's the reality. How you feel about it, your opinions about it, your religious beliefs about it or anything else are irrelevant because it is on the table. So great sex starts by realizing that There is ripe fruit hanging from the trees right from the second that you meet. And not all of that fruit is edible. Not all of that fruit is necessarily there for you, but it is there. So if you're aware that from the moment of eye contact, from the moment of the first words, from the moment of everything that happens, you are basically engaged in this dance of sex And that those early stages of it are all about foreplay and dancing together and checking each other out. But that conversation is actually about sex. If you can become aware of that, now you have a through line, you have a narrative and you realize that there is a sexual creature in front of you and you are a sexual creature. And these are two sexual creatures that want, both want to have things put inside of them and put things inside of them. This is what we do. This is what human animals do. We want to put things inside of other human animals and play with them and feel good. So if you understand that's on the table right from the instant that you meet, now you've got a through line. You have, you're have you in touch with what I call sexual flow. So now everything that's happening is really one way or another about sex and logistics and chemistry, obviously if there's pheromones slowing and there's some attraction happening on top of all of that, it's a very interesting conversation through line. And now in that through line, words are not what they appear to be. So somebody may say, oh, well, you know, oh, I was just going to go home, but that doesn't mean literally going home. That means, hey, can you invite me to the next phase of our dance together. There's this whole thing. So now you're tracking an energetic through line as opposed to, um, step one, step two, step three. So by the time I am, and I will give you an example, um, of just something that literally just happened a couple of days ago, met somebody at a restaurant. It was just like instant eye contact, instant chemistry, instant dance, the, everything was on the table. And over the course of a very short little while, There was sex and sex energy happening, even though our clothes were on. And I think that's the biggest paradigm shift that I can give guys, is to understand that it's all about sex. It's not, point A inside of slot B is like, in some ways, the booby prize. (laughs) Do you know what the booby prize is?
0: I've I've definitely heard that before. We watch so much American movies and TV, and I, I don't even know what's English. Mm-hmm. Okay,
1: so the booby prize, just in case somebody doesn't, because occasionally I run into where I'm teaching where they're like, "What? What's the booby?" You know, it's like where you, it's the prize you get when you don't basically accomplish anything. It's like, okay, well, you you at least played the game, so here's a booby prize for you um, to make
0: it, you feel a bit better.
1: Exactly, and I feel like that's what you know when you put point A inside of slot B and you squirt, that's your booby prize because you missed this entire experience that was or could be happening. That can be emotional, that can be connected, that can be super intimate. As I say, as like a sex educator and sex geek, I can get to know you by taking you out and having conversations and whining and dining and taking you on these things and all that. We can get to know each other that way, or we can have sex and we can Dance this process and talk about reality and have experiences and those things. I'm going to learn so much more about you and have so much more understanding and and also. This is the key that the purpose of sex is actually social bonding. So the misinformation that's out there is that sex is about procreation, that you're only supposed to do it in this way with these people and married and straight and all this stuff. Fortunately, that's really changing culturally but fundamentally if you strip away all that stuff the reality is is sex is about bonding so if you don't understand that fundamentally you're not having good sex does that make sense yeah
0: and i think that's very clear i mean it also helps to give the guys a bit of a goal (laughs) like that's not what you want but they can kind of understand if i've socially bonded with someone then you can say i'm having a greater quality of sex i mean this is just to kind of describe it the end goal is to socially bond rather than putting how do you say point A in point B
1: yeah point A inside of slot B, right because if you're bonding all that stuff that a lot of the industry was built on, like lmR and all that crap, like I never deal with that stuff because there's connection if you have connection you don't you don't have to trick somebody into having sex with you. they want to it's just so natural and obvious, and it's like why wouldn't you? Then, I mean, just to really cement this idea home, if you're one of those people listening to this and you're like, okay, okay, I'm, like, I'm sold, like I want to know more, man, start studying this stuff because then you can meet a girl, not only realize sex is in play instantaneously, now you become aware of that. You realize like she has had an ongoing sex life, you two are meeting with that. But furthermore, you could say to literally any woman in the world, guys are shocked when I have deep conversations about sex, like one, two, three minutes into a conversation, we're getting to like nitty gritty stuff. They're just, they look at me like what on earth just happened. But when you can talk to a woman and say, Hey, by the way, you know, I'm studying Tantra. For example, I'm studying breathing and sexuality. I'm studying the psychology of sexuality. Um, and I have this technique, this idea this thing I want to try. What do you think? It's like no more calls, ladies and gentlemen. We have our winner. Women are so used to shitty sex that any guy who's doing anything to make any kind of improvement, they're just doing the happy dance.
0: That's great. And I think some of the things guys struggle with, it's like the one night stand phenomenon. A lot of guys will start feeling they're getting successful at this because they're getting a girl home for the first time. And then then the next challenge and the problem that comes up in their life is that the girls aren't hanging around. For me, I always look at it just creating any of this unique bond. I'm really glad you brought the word bond up. But you're not creating any unique connection or bond. And so there's no reason you're not different to anyone else, right? If you think about all of the physical techniques, the physical aspect of sex, how different can you be compared to the next guy? There's not a huge variance there in terms of what the experience is going to be like for the woman. And you, if you're just looking at some just solely the uh, physical aspects of the sex?
1: I would say yes. And so I would say for 90% of the population, that's true. If you were to just take one of the techniques and sometimes I'll do this with a guy who's like, please just teach me one thing. So I'll tell your guys this. I have something called comfort touch and comfort touch is just putting a hand, one palm on cupping her, the opening of her uh, vulva and vagina with sort of palm fingers facing up towards the pubic bone. So she's on her back and you comfortably put the palm of your hand over her vulva and then your fingertips are kind of above her pubic bone. And then you take another hand and you put that on her heart and then you just you breathe together. That's a technique most women have never experienced in their life. So if you bust out that technique, that is something completely different, not something she's experienced. And if you do that one technique and you do that and you keep some eye contact and you breathe together and you really have like this generous spirit, because I think really the key to good sex is generosity. You have to be generous. If you're just like, I'm going to get off, have a good life. Of course not, And Why would she ever call you back? Much less want to be your girlfriend. But you scratched an itch for an hour or half an hour or five minutes, whatever, it is what it is, but there's no reason for repeat customers. And she's not going to be telling her friends like, "Oh my God, this guy blew my mind. You need to sleep with him." But that happens to the guys I teach. Like it's not uncommon. A friend, like one of one of my students, just texted me, and he literally the text started with, "I love you, man." <laughs> and I, I'm like, <laughs> and I'm like, why? And he goes, "Well, you know, this girl just invited me to have a threesome with right. she and her best girlfriend," and he's just like. Thank you, right? Because girls are very generous. If they're not in possession mode or something, they're super generous. They're like, man, I had this amazing experience. You try him, pass him around, you know? Uh, So there are actually really specific things you can do that are just so different.
0: Right. The example you brought up there, I would say it's a lot more emotional and mental than physical. I guess the standard things like when I'm thinking about the physical, I'm thinking about all the moves in porn movies and, you know, there's some other moves and angles and whatever you can do different stuff. Right. But you introduce this whole new dimension in terms of emotion and and, and mental, which in my experience, and it's kind of where I see you're coming from is it's the whole thing about sex is more mental and it's bonding, right? That's where the real experience comes and makes you unique versus the other guys she's seen in her life.
1: Yeah, exactly. Right. Because it's the difference, what I call this and and guys, look, If you're doing this, it's fine. Like I have zero moral story about this. Like you would have no way of learning this, right? You're not going to learn it from porn. You're not going to learn it from Playboy or Hustler. You have to learn it through experience. You have to be taught. You have to. You have to have somebody who has pre-existing knowledge that can share it. That's just the truth. Otherwise, because if you look at porn, you would think that the only thing you have to do is stick a cock in a vagina. And move it around fast or slam it, and a girl is just going to have this endless flow of orgasms and will just be sexually satisfied. And that's just a disservice because we, we've depended on porn for our sex education, but it's just not true. It's just, uh, it just isn't how it works. There are going to be some girls who are like, please slam me, that's fine. But if you want connection, if you want something, you have to work at a deeper level. You have to go deeper. And there's only so much you can do with friction sex. That's what you were saying earlier. It's like, there are only so many moves. There's only so many things you can do. Point A inside of slot B has a limited number of options. That's just reality.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I guess another big question is each woman's different. She's different sexual preferences and desires. And, you know, in my experience, getting to know a girl's real desires, it changes the whole relationship. And there's It's not easy to do. And I feel like most guys, they struggle with A, accepting what those desires would be and not being judgmental about it. And B, how do they communicate with a girl in a way that she's going to actually bring these up and and talk to them and and they can actually communicate about this and kind of get to this place where they're having, they're going through both of their sexual desires and they're meeting their own needs on that level.
1: Well, seriously, it's such a good question because... It really starts with you. So my experience is lots of guys feel ashamed about their deepest sexual desires. It just has been the thing. I can't tell you how many guys in different worlds that I've traveled in, have, when they find out what I do, they pull me aside and they're like, hey, I have a question. Or, hey, don't tell anybody, but can I ask you about this? So one of the typical questions is, is it normal? Is it okay that I like X, Y, Z things? So the first thing is you have to come to terms with your own deepest, again, air quotes here, darkest desires. You've got to be able to go to those places inside of yourself and be okay with them. So if you're not okay with them, that means that you're stressed out about stuff that is okay and not okay to do. And if you're stressed out, she's going to feel that, She's gonna feel it just because what if she says, for example, like this happened recently, I was having this very direct, intimate conversation with somebody who I relatively recently met. I mean, I'm talking within like a 45 minutes and it came up the the issue of quote unquote having sex with more than one people. And ultimately right. what it was was she was like, Well, really, what I want to do is just get gangbanged, right? And and she used that word. <laughs> and the guy that she was with, it was like I mean, he almost fell off his chair. Like, I almost felt like I was going to have to call him. Right. I'm just imagining his face. He's like, he doesn't know what to do. He had no idea what to do, right? Now, you and I both know he's looked at gangbang porn before. You and I both know he's probably gotten off to some version of that. But it's so suppressed and in his psyche, so pushed down that when she said that, it was like, a mixture of like wanting to shame her, and you know, well, what kind of woman, and I don't want my girlfriend to, and blah blah. Like, it was this very bizarre mix. So, women are checking for that all the time. They're taking the temperature of if I reveal this, how are you going to respond? My bottom line is I'm going to respond with safe space. I don't care how bizarre. I think it is whether I want to try it or I don't want to try it or whatever. I fundamentally understand we are sexual creatures and all you have to do is look at porn to understand that the way our sexuality expresses is infinite. So there's nothing that's going to come out of her mouth that's going to shock me. And that's my frame. I mean, that's like kind of a frame that I have. So if she throws out a little thing like, oh, well, you know... I kind of have always had this, you know, like I've always wanted to be double penetrated. I'm like, hell yeah. How do we make that happen? Let's talk about how to make this a reality. You know, could we, you want to like use a dildo and a real thing? Do you want to actually have another person? Like what would make that awesome for you? And when they're met with that kind of response, it's like, oh, this guy's totally cool. I can basically share anything and it's going to be okay. And I think that really, if a guy can be in that space where you accept your own desire, you accept that part of you that wants to be the guy who's doing the gangbanging, let's say, and you can really just be at peace with that. It's the most normal thing, you know, like all these flavors of things, they're just normal. It's like, if you can do it and you want to do it, it's pretty much normal. Obviously, I have a cutoff, which is called with consenting adults, right? This is key. We're not, Talking about, like, oh, I want to whatever. I'm talking about with consenting adults. If you, because trust me, if you want to do it, there's probably an organization meeting in New York City today that is an organization about what it is you want to do with consenting adults who are into it. So you just have to open up your field a little bit more. But basically, there's nothing you want to do that there isn't somebody else who wants to do it with you. And that's the fun part of becoming an adult sexual human we like sex and we like it all kinds of different ways. And if you understand that at the most fundamental level, kick back to the beginning of this interview where I said, fundamentally, the thing that I know that I know a lot of people don't seem to know is that we're sexual creatures and we want to have sex, male and female, all this stuff of like, women don't want sex as much as men is bullshit. It's just, they don't want bad sex they sort of have to ask a much bigger question, which is, is this juice going to be worth the squeeze? And if it's not, I'm not going to do it. That's the only difference. But there's also social consequences and all that stuff. But if none of those were on the table, there would be a lot, 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 lot more sex happening. But there's a lot of there's social pressures, religious pressures, social consequences. But, you know, there's all of that. And But the reality is is we're all sexual creatures and we we all want to have fun and feel good. So if I were to give a guy a piece of homework, what I would say is just realize that every woman you look at, regardless of her age, one way or another has found a way to express her sexual energy, right? And maybe her partner knows nothing about how she's doing it. Maybe she's got books she goes to maybe she's got a little secret online account but maybe she's got a little text buddy or who knows how but whatever she's doing she one way or another is it maybe it's yoga class but one way or another she is expressing and moving her sensual sexual side and we just need to open our eyes and see that man because it's out there everywhere
0: yeah and it kind of goes back to what we were talking about uh, a bit earlier about accepting reality there's a lot of these guys they don't want to accept the reality that a girl's having to meet her sexual needs in a variety of ways. And it's not necessarily you right now because basically the sexual needs are a lot more diverse and in depth than you've ever seen before. You've realized it's possible and so on, but she still has them and she's still trying to meet them somehow. Um, And that's not a nice thought to think about, right? If you're studying in this, in this place where it's not you, it's not you with your ego. Who's, who's the one who's um, helping her with that. So for a guy, when he, I think one of the fair points in kind of connecting with someone on a on another level is you've already brought up is what the social environment's going to think of it, what the religion, all this kind of stuff kind of comes into it, and I guess guys think about like, oh, maybe I'll get shamed in the process of trying to open up communication to a deeper level. Like, how do I start this process? Is it that I go first and I let a little bit of my own true desires, sexual sexual needs, and I just kind of show that I'm relaxed with it. Is that how I go first to kind of introduce this deeper level of communication?
1: Yeah, I think so. I think you have to, I mean, I think one thing is do your inner work while you're doing all this other stuff. So confront your own fears, confront your own desires, like always be doing that. But as you make peace with some of these things, yeah, you want to go first. You want to say, Hey, I've been thinking about this thing and I wanted to share with you and just get your thoughts on it. I've been like, I'm like, I noticed that I really have, for example, a foot fetish and I'm just wondering what you think of that like, would you be, I'd really like to have the discussion. And by the way, I have, I have a conversation, which I'll share with your guys. Cause it's the most practical. I mean, you want some practical tools. We talked about this beforehand. One practical tool would be what I call the difficult conversation formula that was really codified by my friend Reed. Reed Mahalko, he's a great sex educator.
0: Yeah,
1: he's very cool. Yeah, I love Reed and we've been friends a long time and he came up with something called the difficult conversation formula. And and the essence of it is this. You basically say you go to somebody and let's say we're going to talk about a foot fetish. You would say you'd first find out if your partner has the bandwidth, the the time and the, you know, is feeling good to have a difficult conversation and if they're a oh yes, and you're a yes, then great. Then you start the conversation and you basically share your worst possible scenario of sharing the thing. So here's what I'm afraid of. I'm afraid that if I share this with you, you're gonna think I'm a filthy, disgusting sex pig and you're never gonna wanna talk to me again and you're gonna hate me and you're gonna tell all your friends and I'm gonna be socially shunted aside (laughs) and you're gonna be like, oh my God, that's disgusting and I'm never ever gonna get laid again because in this circle and I'm gonna have to leave the country. That's my fear. I like to go to the extreme of it because not a fake extreme, but really where does my fear go? And be very genuine about it.
0: Yeah, deep down, what is that fear? Because it it tends to be super exaggerated like that.
1: Yeah, it it totally does. Yeah. And so then you go to the fear and you put that on the table. Then you say, here's what I'd like to happen. What I'd like to do is be able to share what I'm going to share. And for you to say, wow, that's awesome. Let's make a date. Let's set up a really fun time and let's go fulfill this desire. And I'll see then if I like it or if I don't like it. And maybe we'll even try it a few times. And then we'll see. That's what I'd like to have happen. Here's what I want to say. And then you just put it out there. What that does is it emotionally levels the playing field. I am all about leveling the playing field whenever possible. You do not want to be the guy ever, just in life in general, just hear me on this. You don't want to be the guy Who's like, you're working hard and you're kind of putting off your pleasure and your happiness right now to make a ton of money so that you can get these high-powered model girls or whatever. And so maybe you work for five years just nonstop and you're not having sex and you're just relying on porn and whatever, and there's no intimacy, there's no connection, you're just doing the thing. And then you, you've now you've got the money in the car, and then you go out and you go to the club and some girl meets you and connects with you because you have money and car, right? Those guys are some of the loneliest dudes I know in Los Angeles. And you know what they're coming to me for? They're like, well, I just don't want to, you know, I just feel like I'm being used. I feel like nobody knows me for me, right? So that's why I say always level the playing field. So one way you do that is you share your vulnerabilities because every we're human. We all human animals have vulnerabilities. We're all afraid of stuff. We're all... We feel insecure about stuff. We, you know, for we're guys, we're worried our, and you watch a lot of porn, then you definitely think your penis isn't big enough. And there's all of that stuff that goes on. And if you can just share about those things, it just creates this like really fun, playful, intimate space. And I feel like that really needs to be the framework. Sex is fun, it's playful. It's not all this serious stuff that we've been given is just incorrect. And if you are playing that game so seriously, you are never going to get the results you want because who wants to like, hey, yeah, let's get together and be miserable. Hey, let's get together and be judged. Hey, let's get together and get naked and be slammed like a porn movie. So we really have to rebuild. And and actually, this is why I started making all these things because I personally can't go around and teach everybody want to trust me if i could have a room of a thousand guys and i mean i hope i can do something like that someday because um because it's life changing it's life changing it is life changing you could do all the virtual seeking in the world but you have connected deep sex with another human and you feel your heart open or your belly relax or you feel your cock for the first time really you'll feel like a new human being we had some of that this weekend with some teaching some of the stuff that i was teaching and people were hooking up and having experiences that they've never had in their lives i did not even know that that was possible and when you have that experience it's like being on top of the world really because you feel so good as an adult and that doesn't happen very often and no car and no amount of money is going to make you feel good in your body like that if that makes sense
0: it absolutely makes sense to me. I, I've been there. I've, I've had those experiences. And I hope it's inspiring. I'm, I think you do a good job of what I saw you know, when I was watching a program. Is you're a really good teacher. And you're very good at inspiring people. And I think you just did a pretty good job. Damn good job of it uh, right there. I think that's going to help to get guys motivated. Because it is hard to cross this, this canyon of us not knowing how great it can be, right? Having that belief that there is this much better thing waiting. And we have to take some risks to get there. But like showing your vulnerabilities and so on, you know. And sometimes we perceive that the risks are greater than any reward because we don't know what's there and we don't know how great it is. But you do a great, great job of trying to show what's out there waiting for people.
1: Thanks, man. I really I really appreciate it. I mean, I hope you understand, you know, it's weird through just a disembodied voice. I don't know how much that communicates, but I hope you and I know you do, obviously. But I mean, I hope your listeners, I hope you guys understand how inspired I am. And I am on your team it may it may sound like some of the things i say may be offensive or maybe they sound a little harsh man but somebody's got to tell you the way it is and tough love yeah and i am on your team because If you go through life and you do not know what it is to have your mind blown, to not be able to speak because the sex and the depth and the connection and the experience you had was so incredible that you literally can't talk or you have trouble walking or it takes you a while to come back to earth. If you go to your deathbed without that experience, man, you've missed part of the game of life that is so important to play. And I'm sorry that that game has been hidden and misrepresented and sort of made so trite. But it's so, it's profound and it's life changing. And that's, that's why I do this, man. And you could go and sit in a cave for a fucking month and get less than one connected, deep experience where you're just like, I am engulfed in pleasure. And peace and ease and flow and bliss. You know what I mean? And that that's what inspires me because it's possible. Not only is it possible, it happens. Not only does it happen, it's teachable. You can learn it, you can have that experience, which means you can have that experience. Just most people don't know. So that's why I'm passionate about it, man. Cause it's like to die not knowing what's possible is just a, it's heartbreaking.
0: It is. You know, I kind of look back at my life in my early 20s where I was in another world and I'm um, really glad jumped out of that. You know, it would be like with real regret if I had, like, would be looking back now and, and kind of understood what I understand and had never experienced it. I know. Yeah. It's good to carry around regret, I think, sometimes. You know, it's a good motivator. The things we've oh, done absolutely. wrong in our lives, it gives us good motivation to make the rest of it right going forward. So. Um, it's helpful.
1: Yeah. Trust me. Trust me, dude, you are talking to somebody who has tons of regrets and that is part of my fuel. That's part of my rocket fuel. So I, I think that's a really great nuance. It's not like I'm Pollyanna ish. Like, Oh, it was all for the good. Some stuff was really fucked up and it was not for the good, but, but it motivates you. It motivates you. It drives you.
0: And then it gets better. And, uh, that's where we're headed yeah exactly this has been awesome great conversation really enjoyed it uh what would be the best ways uh, for people to connect with you are you on twitter are you are you blogging like where are you kind of active where people can connect with your stuff
1: yeah there's a couple different ways um so one is my website is is the great starting place laurencelanoff.com my name with a w-l-a-w-r-e-n-c-e-l-a-n as in nancy o-f-f as in Frank Frank, LawrenceLanoff.com. I'm on Twitter. You can find me there, Lawrence Lanoff. YouTube is a great place. I'm constantly putting up new ideas and new material. I have sexual breathing on YouTube. It's free video. Grab that sucker. Like go there now. Go look up sexual breathing. It's it's great. Do it for 30 days. Get back to me. That alone might be life changing for people. I put a lot of a lot of really free material. I'm working, workshopping stuff. I throw that up on YouTube, and uh, I think those are the best way. And if you want to email me, there's a my email is on my website. And if there's something specific, or those are the or you know hit me up on Twitter. All of the above. I'm there. I love this stuff. Cool. Yeah.
0: Excellent. Is there anyone besides yourself? I think I know who you're going to say. Would you recommend for high quality advice in this area? Besides you? Uh no, not me. Yeah, besides me and you. <laughs> um, i I mean, so like besides yourself, <laughs> anyone, and of course besides me, uh, definitely.
1: Who would you? Th- I'm really curious who you think I would say.
0: I'll tell you after you have to put, you have to put them out there first, and then
1: my list is pretty limited. Um, because I really, for me, my goal is always to teach without bullshit really teach like at an essential level and there's a lot of bullshit out there. So I'm curious, I'm really curious who, cause maybe I'm missing that person. <laughs> maybe it'd be somebody like me like, yes.
0: You want, you want to just sell you for it out? Well, read, I mean, read, read Mahalco. Yeah. 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 I mean, you've already mentioned him in this interview. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Read for right. Read. Yeah. So, okay. Right. I think I went a little too deep into the question. Definitely read Mahalco definitely Monique Darling um who I co-teach with I co-teach with both of those guys. Um I think there's some very sweet people in in Tantra land, you know, but you have to be very careful there. It can get really weird really quickly, but Right. But um
0: right, I've heard about that. Yeah,
1: but I think like like I think people who are anybody who's talking about pleasure without a lot of rules, laws, rituals and morality, that's fine. There's not that many, but there are people who There are like genuine people, lots of, you know, there are sex educators who are doing it because they're passionate, because they want to help, they want to help guys get good at stuff and humans, just humans get good. So, so read for sure. I mean, and he's readaboutsex.com, by the way. And
0: yeah, he's been on the show before, actually. We we had him a while back. So, guys, you can check out the interview. It was a great interview.
1: Yeah. And he's just a genuine human. And we've, we've had lots of, uh, in fact, he's, he and I talk on uh, language of lust. He and I talk threesomes, so yeah. So I was—it's funny because when you asked that question, I was framing it in like in a very specific, like the narrow band. Because a lot of people are like, "Well, who would? Who specifically would you recommend in Tantra land, per se?" Ah, that's right. a very—it's just a very small list. I see you as much
0: more, much, much broader. Um, I mean, I, like I was—I was talking about the whole gang- yeah, yeah, yeah—sex and relationships, you know. Um, just good people you've met and I know you met a lot.
1: I've met a lot of cool people but definitely started those places. Those are really good folks and they're not not—they're teaching without a lot of BS and I think that's the key.
0: Absolutely because yeah there is a lot of BS out there. It's amazing how much we're like in the age of misinformation right now you know thanks to the internet and everything oh my God, else it's out incredible. there. It's uh, really tough for guys. Um, I got into this in 2000 and uh, luckily there wasn't as much information out there. It wasn't As a handicap, like today, everyone who comes to us is like really confused. They're like, there's so many products, there's so so many different teachers, there's so many different approaches to it. It is a maze. It's uh, pretty confusing out there. Okay, so last question. Top three recommendations to guys. If they're like starting from scratch from all of this, maybe he just got divorced and he's kind of restarting, or maybe he's he's relatively young and he's, he's early 20s, hasn't had any experience what would be your top three recommendations to get him started in the right direction with his whole dating, sex and relationships life?
1: Okay. So, so number one, obviously at this point, I have three different programs out there. Pick anyone, right? So I have language of lust, all of those you can find on my site, you know, on Lawrence. So language of lust, I have Tantra X, which is like all of these things that we've been talking about in depth.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I've already checked out the Language of Lust one, and I'm going to check out the other one, but like I can say for the Language of Lust, it's a great program and it's very long and as well. It's a ton of depth in there, ton of material. So it's worth really working your way through it over time. Um, I could see, like I, I went for it for a few days, pretty intensive, um, but obviously I've seen a lot of stuff before. And but I think for most guys, you know, you could definitely put a few weeks and study hard and um, re- restudy, re-go over it, especially when you start getting more experiences, restart it, re-go into it, and you'll get more out of it. And yeah, it's a great program.
1: So that's number one. Number two, I am not even joking. Do, well, first of all, in language of lust, if you're just starting out, there are two of the most important, absolutely most important things I've ever recorded. Number one is the suggest and direct module. It's super important. It's, it is, it's such a powerful skill and it's so simple. It's such an inexpensive program, language of lust, like whatever it is spend it, just go and study that, um, that one module, because if you start to understand suggest and direct like that process, it's going to open up a whole universe for you. The second piece is the piece on pleasure resistance and understanding that we humans, just, we do have resistance to feeling good. And if you understand that, that it's not last minute resistance, it's, pleasure resistant. I am afraid that if I feel too good, bad things are going to happen. So those two things are super important, especially if you're heading back into the dating thing. If you're coming out of divorce, you have to understand language at its most basic level, and then understand that what, that some of these resistances that you think are things against you have nothing to do with you. So that would be the other thing, like don't take anything personally. Um, But aside from that, then the next thing, head over to my YouTube channel, right? So YouTube, Lawrence Lanoff or Soul Light, that my channel there and do the 30-day tantric breathing challenge. Do that because if you can start to learn to breathe and move your body and own your body and feel your sexuality, how you move through the world will totally change, that's just a fact. It's not like some theoretical thing. It is just reality. If you're feeling more confident and calm and relaxed with your sexuality and in your body, the world responds entirely differently.
0: I understand the value of that last point. I think some people struggle because they think it's woo-woo, right? Because we get this, like, oh, that's more of that woo-woo stuff. How do you reply to, is there a way you get your point across when someone's like, oh, it sounds more like woo-woo stuff, you know, kind of? I don't really understand it. It's not for me. Like, how do you respond to that?
1: Um, Okay, so the best way I could describe it it would be so much more easy for me to show. But have you ever seen a girl and you look at her and she's kind of got greasy hair? Maybe she's, you know, kind of got glasses on and she's got a big frumpy shirt on, you know, or jumper on and just hanging out and you look at her and you would not even notice her, right? You just would not her at all. You're you're just like, okay, just whoever, whatever. But it turns out that that's just an expression of how she's feeling about herself or maybe how she's feeling about sex. But then you, let's say you did go with a conversation and you're sticking with her and you're kind of finding out more. And then you see like, wow, she pulls her hair back and, you know, takes the glasses off and, and takes the jumper off. And you're like, holy smokes where did you come from and yet it's the same person but you're responding entirely differently right same person nothing particularly changed but maybe she feels safer and suddenly she's like instead of hunching over and trying to hide her breast she's just like oh i'm comfortable now and suddenly her chest opens and you see this different human in front of you what happened You know, She didn't change, she didn't morph, but how you felt about her was entirely different by how she was feeling about herself. So many people go through life and they're like, oh, well, I'm just this, I have this belief about myself, I'm not attractive. I was one of those guys. I was walking around feeling like I was the ugliest dude alive. Really. My grandmother, one of the things she said to me was like, as soon as you can make enough money, young man, you need to get a nose job. Like that really was said to me. So, I mean, you talk, I don't feel that at all anymore. And the world responds entirely different. But what changed? It's all internal. It's all how I'm feeling about me. And I know it sounds woo-woo, but all I can say is if somebody's really, really ready, do that breathing exercise. And if you're like really, really ready, like somebody somebody's just says, I want to get my life handled where you really see this is that's, that's the one-on-one coaching work because every individual has their own bullshit belief systems and things that are holding them back and you cannot see them. And it is only until somebody looks like myself, I have an expertise in this. I say to you, for example, okay, we're going to make this little change. For example, I want you to just pretend that you have a, let's say a 10 inch cock And now go walk through the crowd and just tell me what happens, right? It's not, it's so not woo. It's exactly the opposite of woo. It's so practical and tangible and instantaneous and has nothing to do with the bullshit of like think good thoughts or be a good person. It's exactly the opposite of that because it's reality. If you're walking around and you're feeling like I'm a hot man, the world is going to respond to you as if you're a hot man. That just is what it is. And that's why you can see this, these like, you know, sometimes I remember this one dude, this one French dude who was like rapping to this, like in terms of looks, like she was a 10 and he was like a two and his hair was messed up and his teeth were messed up. And and he had to, you know, this thick French accent and he was like, you know, like this, but you could feel that he felt like he was the hottest dude in the world. Genuinely felt like he's just like, I'm the most sexual, incredible, amazing, hot guy. And he took that girl home. And I was like, oh my God, this has nothing to do with how we tangibly look. This this is not about the facts. It's about how we are feeling inside and how that then expresses in the world. And that, my friend, is as tangible as the freaking air you're breathing. You may not see it, but it's super important. It's as important as air.
0: I think that's a pretty <laughs> that's a pretty good response. Thank you so much for that. I know I put you on the spot with that, but I always want to tackle those things that guys, you know, are going to be thinking. Oh, no, I love um, it. Come and, on. Uh, you know, I think it's important to do that. Otherwise, the information doesn't get out properly.
1: You know what? If, if you guys have questions, I am happy to come back anytime. Like if, if people hear this and they want to know more, or you're just like, Hey, there's some, I love this stuff. Great. So I'm here.
0: Sounds good, man. Thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, really. Thanks for your time. It's been a great time.
1: Oh, my pleasure. It's great meeting you and connecting. And so, so awesome to, to be speaking to your crew here. So have a beautiful, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Afternoon. yeah. And, uh, and you're,
0: it's, uh, you're, you're a morning still, right? Yeah, pretty much. All right, man. All great. Yeah. Take control of your dating life today. Take one idea or one insight from today's episode and apply it today. Don't wait. Do it today. That's all it takes to change your life, step by step, episode by episode. Learn more about what I, Angel Donovan, and my team do at DatingSkillsReview.com, how we help men like you take control of their dating lives.